Welcome to the Black Then, Black Now podcast. We're giving you an insight into the conversations between generations, the ones you may have at a dinner table or on your living room sofa. From discussing changing dating culture to the persistence of racism in football, we're concerned about looking at change and continuity. What was it like then? How is it now? Now, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed recording this episode. In this episode, I chat with Bev about all things love and relationships. From the impact of fairy tales on our expectations of love, to how the openness between parents and children has changed through the years. It's a conversation where you definitely want to be a fly on the wall. Thank you so much for joining me today, Beverly, to talk about love, dating, relationships and everything in between. Um, So why don't you introduce yourself? So I'm Bev. I'm uh, 58. I'm a mother of two. Um, and I do various things in the community. I also do a lot of stuff with parents, um, and I have a podcast called Parent Talk. So I support parents in various ways, Um, you know, and I've had various jobs. We could be here all night talking, all day, talking about the jobs I've been in, but mainly sort of community and youth. Awesome. Now, to kick off our conversation, I'm going to ask you whether you believe in soulmates Ooh, I think I'd like to yes I'd like to believe in soulmates um but you've got to be able to recognize them so they can be right in front of you or somebody who's really compatible for you can be right in front of you but you may not see them or you may not see the value of who they are until either they're gone or, or you grow and um, you're ready for that kind of relationship, I suppose. But yeah, I think I'd like to. I think we've been peddled this night in shining armour and, you know, first love and soulmate things since, we, since we're young. You know what I mean? So the media has done a really good job of sort of making us, you know, think about, oh, our lives are only complete if we find our soulmate. Well, in actual fact, there are different types of people that come into your life for different reasons. Um, And if you're, if you're not so fixated about, Oh, you've got to find the one, then you can have an adventure. (laughs) Some people won't, won't like that. They want, they want more stability. They want to know that, that, that the regularity, don't get me wrong. I want, I want commitment. But, you know, there's different ways to skin a cat, isn't there? <laughs> Definitely. Do you I, believe in soulmates, though? Oh, um, yeah, same as you. Like, I would, I want to believe in soulmates. I think I'm more towards believing that they do exist. And um, recently, um, I would say, yeah, from, like, the peak of the pandemic, I started watching tarot readings. And, like, mm-hmm. I wasn't really, I'm not really spiritual, but, like, I just started getting getting really into it. So I've read a couple of, like, oh, who's your soulmate? When will you find them? What do they look like? Um, so now whenever I see someone that kind of matches that description, I'm like, oh, could they be the one? And I think it does uh-huh. put much pressure on it because if you think that, then like it's going to ruin it. And yeah, I just and I, I really like your point about um, how we're given this narrative at such a young age and, and the impact of that. So could you get expand on that a bit more? Well, when I was younger, 
you know, a lot of the fairy tales like Cinderella, you know, those kind of things are continually perpetuated year in, year out from when you're at school. Sorry. From when you're at school. Yeah. Uh, from when you're at school um, as well, you know, like who, who's considered like the handsome one and this is the one that you've got to go for and like all the girls are trying to vie for this one poor sod sorry this one (laughs) one poor person right and in actual fact you don't even know if that person's compatible so from when I was younger it was always like well you know you've got to look for the one and you know there is the one for you and so you know I think my first boyfriend well no the first person I I was attracted to he wasn't necessarily attracted to me but I thought he was the love of my life and that, you know, I was going to have his children and cook him um, peas for dinner. Um, this is how young I was. You know, I didn't think about other factors that might have come into it. You know, I just saw this individual. I liked him and I was like, but that's it. As far as I'm concerned, you know, little mini stalker. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, I think where I sit, I, I've had three I've had three major relationships. Um, And I think as well, I think when you believe in that fairy tale um, aspect, it prevents you from looking at who you really are, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Um, And it's almost like you get on this staircase and you have to stay on it regardless of how good or bad the experience is. And then, you know, all your friends um, can either, you know, help that relationship or hinder it or interrupt it. You know what I mean? So I'll tell you, even though it seems naive and, 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 I, and I recognize how, you know, books and stories and uh, fairy tales and films all help to perpetuate the same narrative or, uh, the, you know, the same imagery, the story. If I don't have the conversations, because I've got two girls and, you know, I ha- I'm not trying to destroy their, their dream of finding the one, okay? I'm not. But what I'm trying to say to them is know who you are so that you know what is compatible with you and what you're prepared to put up with and what you're not prepared to put up with. I didn't do those things. I believed in the narrative and just, oh, well, you know, he loves me. I do love him. So I'm just going to, this is our happy, happy ever after. Not, but, you know, you stay in it. You st- I stayed in things longer than I should have because I was trying to live in real life that fairy tale that's on the, on the telly. Mm. Well, so many that's my story. <laughs> and it's amazing, like, so many good points that you raised there. And it's like, I want to unpick, unpick some of them. Like, so for one of them, like, going into, like, the fairy tales and, and this narrative that they give us when we're so young and so impressionable, I find often it's like there's no focus on who, because you know, normally it focuses on the princess and there's no focus on who she is as, as an individual. And mm. actually even also for like her love interest, you don't know anything about them. All you know is that they're good looking. And that yeah. furthermore, like just like makes us think, okay, well, only thing I should look for in someone is how they look. And that's not enough to sustain a good relationship. Um, and another thing that you raised about your soulmates and kind of sticking in things longer than you should and um do you think with soulmates kind of having this idea um it kind of 
it makes us think that well I need to stay with them because they are like our souls are entwined and and it doesn't really allow for this idea that at the end of the day we change as people Um, Mm. what do you think well two things good looking you were talking about yeah when when I was younger it was oh he's fair skin and he's got an afro so he's good looking all right And then there were guys who wanted to go out with me because I am lighter skin. I had long hair and I was like, I'm more than the the shade and I'm more than my hair. So I think when I got to about 16, I cut off all my hair. First of all, I wanted to have an Afro and my hair was too um, soft for it to have an Afro. Okay, so... um, I I was already having an internal battle about was was I black enough? Mm. And so therefore, when these guys were interested in me and it was, oh, because I'm light skin and because um, I've my hair and I cut my hair off. But the other thing about me is that I am intelligent. And so therefore, if there's a question and I'm critically thinking, I'll, I'll talk what I'm thinking. And I found that some guys really didn't appreciate me having a, an opinion or a voice. And so then it was like, oh, well, she's pretty, but she's hard work um and then I took I took their perceptions of me on and so when I was going into any relationship I say yeah yeah but I'm hard work actually I'm not hard work for the right person so at the end of the day that was something that happened a lot back then it was very much you know you were looking for a good looking and I think it's the same today people want good looking right but I think the difference today is Instagram and social media and how they can doctor their pictures baby you know when we looked at you back then in in the in the 70s we saw you you understand yes you could have put on lots of makeup but we either we'd never see you without makeup and guys it was much more difficult because they weren't sort of metrosexual as they are now or you know uh, you know into you know showing off their their bodies and wearing makeup and taking care of their skin I ain't got nothing against that I'm just saying in the 70s that wasn't the kind of guys we were meeting so you know it was you know if he was good looking now also it was like if your friends thought he was good looking oh you make a lovely couple and I'd be like yeah but I don't really know him um, but it was like, doesn't matter, you know, he's good looking, you're good looking, you'll have fantastic babies. And I was like, I wasn't even thinking about babies. Um, and, and yeah, look at the quality of his hair and your hair. Then I was just like, what the heck? And so I think my very first serious boyfriend was considered ugly. And I was like, I, I like who I like. I'm not with him because of all of you liking him. And that just makes you cling to them more. And uh, yesterday when I was at work, one of the colleagues was showing a picture of his daughter with her current boyfriend. And he said, this boyfriend isn't as good looking as the last one. This is a dad speaking, isn't as good looking as the last boy. And I was like, uh, and um, what is there? It, does your daughter, it, who, you know? So I said, show me the picture. And he showed us a picture of the, the man. And I said, this is, I said, this is a man, you know? The other picture you showed me of the other person was a boy. Said, so who would you like your daughter to go out with, a boy or a man? And he was like, oh, I never really thought about that. I said, well, stick a pin in that and think about it. I'll leave you to it. Um, And this idea of soulmates, it's like the same idea of friends in my, this is my personal view, which is still evolving. 
you know, some friends you come into your life for a reason or a season, as the old saying says. And when I reflect, yes, that's the truth. There are some friends that you need in your life at a particular time and they help you through or they're, they're full of life and enjoyment and embodiment and you have a great time and they teach you lessons or you just enjoy yourself being with them and then they move on. And then you have to learn to grieve the loss of not having that friend anymore. And it's the same with the relationship. So like you can have somebody who's meant to be your soulmate, but maybe the two of you aren't really meant to connect in this life. Maybe you're meant to sniff each other and know that there's hope and then just sort of, and then that makes you reflect. But I find that a lot of people, and I'm making a big assumption here, but I have withdrawn myself from a lot of people because they're just pursuing drama from one drama to another drama to another drama in relationships, whether it's with friends, whether it's with someone that their significant other. And I haven't got the energy to be in your drama as well as try and live my life. Yeah. So I just have to be hopeful that the people I who come in are going to give positive. And I have to be aware enough that whether I feel that this is draining me or is this adding to my life or adding to the experience of knowing you. There are some people you can just immediately meet and you, you just strike up such a, a, a friendship with them male or female, um, and then it can progress into something else. But you have a real foundation that you like each other um, and that you can argue with each other, but you it's not going to be the end of your relationship. It's just a disagreement that you've had. Although, you know, it's hard. You know, relationships are hard. Uh, you know, I, I the last relationship I had was with my children's father, we were together, I think, 12 to 15 years. And I gave in the, we, we came together because there was a commonality, okay? And there was a, a desire of, of sharing the same dream, okay? Because we, we, we've come from um, blended families, so to speak. And we wanted to have our own unit, which wasn't so-called blended in inverted commas. Unfortunately, you both have to put work in for that. And if one person is just putting all the work in and dragging the other person into the dream, then it's much more difficult. You've got to both be prepared to put the work in. And even though we all put work in in different ways, you know, you might spend the first year putting a lot of work in and then you really need help. And then they start to take the bulk of the, the relationship and, and hold you um, and you can surrender to them, relax that they've got it. And then the two of you become stronger again and you move forward. But in some cases that, that doesn't work. You know, one person either has to pay the price or of ensuring that you keep up this relationship even though things underneath may, might be crumbling for you or mm. did for me well that's a lot to to talk about there um <laughs> <laughs> um I on your earlier point about um like in school and how it can like basically light skin privilege and colorism I find it really interesting because the exact same thing happened to me like within in my experience primary school and secondary the popular girl who everyone thought was pretty was always mixed race always had a certain hair texture 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the same with the with the um, popular boy, always mixed race as well. Um, so I think that's crazy that that still is a very like a, a, a reality that we're dealing with. It's um, a legacy. Mm. Very true. And with the, but I I, th- I find it interesting that it, it is like um, it's mixed race people, but not because the the beauty standard is like whiteness but it, it within, within our experiences we found that it's been mixed race people in our schools that have been like the popular pretty people I find that quite interesting well I think there is a change there, there is a change I think I have always you know sometimes you always want what you don't have and so um you know I'm attracted to dark skin I find it this is a pg but you know I find it arousing for me but not arousing in the sense of how I perceive a white person might find it arousing but then again I don't even want to go off on that tangent right but I I find it beautiful yeah exactly but I I find it actually beautiful um I however I have dated a gamma ray of of people I haven't excluded myself from having an experience with um mixed race uh, a dark skinned brother um um a white man um a white boy so to speak um yeah Egyptian you know what I mean I I think as I've got a bit older I've tried to look at the quality of the human being rather than and I, the looks. And I think there's always been a part of me that's been like that. That's why the first boyfriend that I had, everyone called him ugly. He, he had unique features, okay? And I found those unique features um, attractive, mm. yeah? I have to go with where I'm attracted, yeah? Physical attraction, but also it was about the fact that we could communicate and he appreciated the way in which I thought. And I felt that I could be free enough to talk how I wanted to. But yeah, I've I've also been in relationships where the guy has been okay, but his family or his peers have felt that I have not conformed to the, the standard that they expect of women. So I'll tell you a story. I was going out with this um, American guy and we were in uh, Carolina, um, South Carolina, visiting family. And all the women were in the kitchen with the kids and talking and doing whatever they were doing. And all the men were on the porch. And um, I I smoke, so I went on the porch, right? And then they were talking about Amsterdam and Holland and how sex shows and whatever, whatever. And I was like, yeah, you know, Amsterdam, Holland, blah, 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 having a conversation. And they were like, um... Well, they said to my partner that, you know, his brother said to him that I needed to be controlled and that he needed to do that because I shouldn't have been in that conversation. And I was like, out of all you on that porch, not one of you have been to Holland. I have. Not one of you have been to the red light district, which you're fantasizing about. I have. And not one of you have been to any of the shows. And I have. So who in that space should talk (laughs) anyway (laughs) he I mean granted he came back and told me that conversation but I can tell you the relationship did not continue for too long 
but for one reason or another, not just because of that. Mm. But I think some men have a difficulty in, in that they, it's as women as well, you get what you claim you want and then you try and fix it to the image that you have in your head. When in actual fact, that is another human being. So you have to allow them to evolve and, and express who they are. And if it's not something that you can live with, then the both of you need to just say, well, you know, this was a beautiful interlude. I've learned a lot. Um, I wish you the best uh, and move on. But the reality is that sometimes we, and I'm guilty of this, so I'm not even talking about not myself. In my first relationships, I was very much like, I can fix this person and I can make them better. I've even gone out with people to show them that they deserve better. Can you believe that? You know, you go out with somebody and you know that actually they're not really, it's not really gonna work, but you want to show them that they can have better if they just believe. So you sacrifice, I sacrificed a, what, a, a time to have an affair. I was having an affair with this individual. And then, I, and then after about six months, I was like, hang on a minute, but <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Yes, it, it, it worked for you because um, when you wanted a little bit of TLC on the down low and nobody needed to know, this was fine. But once you get more, I got more involved with him and I was like, actually, yeah, I think I would like to have a relationship out in the open. And then realised that actually, hang on a minute, his family ain't going to accept me because the, the girlfriend is, is, has been in, she's been there for years you really are not taking responsibility because if you really don't want to be in this relationship, then you should walk away. You should be man enough to say, this is not for me. And I prefer to be on my own rather than with you. And I was just, um, I was just space that you were using and I got more emotionally involved and I had to break away. And I was like, actually that taught me that I deserve better than that not because he treated me bad, but because I didn't treat myself good. Because if I really did love myself better, then I wouldn't have accepted someone else's, someone else's slide in and slide out. You understand what I mean? Mm. Nah, nah. I'd prefer to be single. And I, I can say that now because I'm much older, okay? But I prefer to be my single and do the things that give me joy and I'm happy about doing. Don't get me wrong. Yes, I'd I'm single now and, and I would like to have a partner, a romantic partner, but not at the price of me not being who I am. Um, and not at the price of um, just to say, oh, I'm in a relationship and I have somebody and I'm not on my own. Nah, nah, not going to do that. And thing is, like, we've spoken about, like, from, like, young, how we're given these narratives to, like, the school about relationships then, and also now and how we learn from our kind of mistakes in relationships and how they're so, like, taxing as well. Do you think there's ever, like, there's an, people date too young or, like, there's a certain age where you should start dating and we should kind of, because they're so, they require a lot of maturity? My mother was not interested in letting me date nobody. <laughs> yes? Because as far as she was concerned, as soon as you date somebody, you have sex and then you get pregnant and that's it, right? Mm. So 
mum, my mum wasn't into like you could you could have manners friend, boyish friend. That that you know. So I was a tomboy, which allowed me space to have guys as friends and do lots of stuff that some girls, if I was too girly girly and my mother was precious about me losing my virginity, that I wouldn't have been out of the house. Do you understand? So um yeah you you so I think girls mature so they say um more than quicker you know more than boys you know there's that they have the dream of let's live together let's have children let's get married that that fairy tale all that kind of stuff but they neglect to see the hard work until they're in it and then they put all their effort in it and then they forget about their dreams their their um what they wanted because it becomes what he wants which becomes what we want all right so you don't have the time to really discover yourself. Now, I have two girls, uh, 20 and 18. Um, and I have friends, other people who have like 15 year olds, 14 year olds, and they got boyfriends or girlfriends and they bring them home. And I'm like, I want my children to bring their friends home. Because with my long eyes, I call them long eyes because obviously I'm older. So there's certain things that I can see that I wouldn't have seen with my, when I was younger. Mm. So a young boy will come to my house and they're saying they're friends or whatever, whatever. And I'm observing and listening and so forth. And then the hardest thing for me is to kind of allow my children to talk and evolve their thinking and um, their feelings to a place where they say, actually, mm, I don't think I'm ready. Like my 30, when, she, when my 20 year old was 13, some boy asked her out, right? And she wanted to talk to me about it. And I was like, no, this is not a conversation I wanna have with you. <laughs> Um, and then she was like, I was saying to her, go to your godmother. And she was like, mom, I wanna come to you. So I said, okay, let's talk. So as we were talking, um, and she was explaining this boy is a friend. And um, I think one of the things that he was saying to her was that he wanted her to be his girlfriend, his main girl. And he didn't want her to speak to any other guy. Um, he just wanted her exclusively his. And I goes, well, you are exclusively his if you're going out with him, as he should be exclusively yours. But why, do, why should that stop you from being able to talk to other people and other boys? Because you're not going to sleep with them. You're just having a conversation. Um, and so she was like, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, mum? I don't know. And I goes, is he, what kind of friend is he? And then will you miss his friendship? What, you know, what is he saying? What is he offering in that kind of sense? And she was like, well, you know, he just wants me and me only. And, and, I, and I don't think I'm ready for that. And I said, well, if you don't feel you're ready for that, what pressure, who's pressuring you to do? And she said, well, he said, if, he, if, I, don't, if I don't give him my answer, he'll not, he not, doesn't want to be with me. He doesn't want to talk to me anymore. And I said, so you have your answer, don't you? I said, you just want somebody else to make the decision, but you already have. I said, how do you, how do you feel in the pit of your stomach about the idea that if you don't give him the answer, he'll never speak to you again? And she goes, well, I think he's been immature. He's, he's been childish. And I said, mm -hmm. so how does that make you feel? You know, and she was like, well, I don't feel good. And I said, so what, 
whatever decision you make, it's got to be that you feel good about the decision. And if there's any niggling-ness or anything in your pit of your stomach, that's your spirit telling you something ain't quite right. So you need to ask the questions that you're uncomfortable with and get an answer. And if the answer you get still leaves you with this uncomfortable feeling in the pit of your stomach, you need to walk away. You need to be brave enough to walk away. And if you're not, then tell me and I'll be brave enough to help you walk away, you know? But she made her own decision and she said, I really wanted to have that conversation with you. And I realized how hard it is for a mother to have that kind of conversation with your daughter or your son, um, because you, I have to be conscious of my prejudices um, and my thinking around all men are scum, all right? And they're not. Do you understand what I mean? I've got to, I've got to be aware that I'm having that internal conversation with myself that I don't necessarily want to throw all of that onto my daughter who's just discovering for herself what that really is and what that means. And I want her to be able to trust her feelings, to connect with her feelings and trust them so that they guide her. Um, you know, I don't want her to not have, I mean, she's 20 now, she's had a couple of dates and I've had to talk her through. I said, you know, oh, I'm at uni, I can't be asked with this. And I said, how are you going to know what you like and don't like in a chat? if you don't have some dates. I said, dating is different from having sex. And I'll sleep with everybody because your pum pum is, is for you. Um, you got to feel, you know, in the right space to give that out and that energy. And I believe in soul ties and everything. So, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm saying dating, go out in a public place, have a coffee or a meal, do do things together, see how they react around other people, see how they treat you in all different circumstances, and then make a decision based upon that. But if you think that you're going to have this magic button that says, oh, the first geezer that I feel I really connect with, we're going to live forever and it's going to be happy ever after. Your mother done show you that that don't work already. You understand? Uh, so I resonate with this so much. It's, it's actually crazy because... I'm 19 and I haven't had a relationship at all and when I was younger like people were pre like even now a bit like pressure pressuring me to like yeah date people and be like yeah you would look good together and I would didn't even like them um and yeah it's really interesting hearing your daughter's experiences because I'm going to go to uni later on this year and like I think oh yeah, yeah I'll go into like dating and I'll try it out but like yeah it's it's scary um but um, it's more scary for you now because well, I look in in back then, um, we knew I knew guys from youth clubs or the school or on the local estate. Everybody kind of knew who was who and knew people's business, so to speak. And people would say to you, "Boy, you know that one? This person, yeah, I'm like you, you know, but boy, I'm of a bad reputation and in this and in that." And you can make a choice. You can say, well, I'm going to find out for myself. Mm. And with this particular geezer, I, 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 he was too old for me. And he could see the fear in my eyes when he tried to approach me. And he goes, you're not ready for this. And I said, hell to the no, I ain't ready for this, yeah. But at least he was able to see that I wasn't ready for it, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas I think nowadays, see, the guys are like, I don't know. It's just, it's scary. Some of the ways my daughters are like, 
oh, he's giving me his um, IG. I said, what about his phone number? What about his mother? What about where he live? What about the friend that me want to know who me I feel hunt down? You, what's the Instagram? That's, 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 that's like a, a pedophile of putting an advert out. Do you understand what I mean? So I'm like, I need to know a little bit about, as a mother, I want to know who you're playing with you understand yeah. because at the end of the day if something goes wrong i need to know who to hunt down mm-hmm. but they think they laugh they think it's a joke but in my day we kind of knew who what where ish um there was none of this instagram you know phone phone we had to go phone box to make phone calls so when you said that i'm going to call you at five o'clock you called at five because you were standing at the call box because you couldn't get in your mother number because your mother would answer the phone who is you and who you want to talk to no i should not live here who you have calling this house at this time of day? you understand it's a totally mm. different ball game so for now parents have to i see i feel what i advise parents is be as open as you can to listen to what your kids are saying. You don't have to always comment. You just have to take information in a story. Um, when the time's right, that conversation should come out. Or if you really feel like you wanna have a conversation, like I would encourage you personally, a date in public, a coffee, it's not going to take over your whole life. It's a small part. You get, like when my daughter went out on this date with this guy, he, he was a bit creepy at first. I mean, he had been observing her because she just got library. So when he was saying, oh, I've been watching you, I was like, oh, shit. Um, and then he was a bit older. Um, and he was like, and my, my daughter was like, oh, I ain't got time for this. And I said, I know you haven't got time for it. But I said, a coffee and getting to know somebody is, is, is what, an hour? Most dating apps now say if you're going to meet somebody, meet them somewhere public, have an hour. So the coffee. And if you don't like them, it's an hour. And if you like them, then you can see there's something else that you want to do together. And you want to put individuals in different settings, things that you enjoy, things that they enjoy. That's going to challenge you and challenge them because then the real them will come out. You understand um, and, and you're not sleeping with them. So you're not whatless. You understand what I mean? You ain't giving your panani out to every and everybody. And then when she was like, well, I went on that date with that guy and um, no. I, and I said, okay, fine. And then she's like this bad boy who, anyway. And she said, oh, and I said, the reason you like him is because he's a bad boy. So I said, go on a date with him. Oh, no, but yeah. And I said, no, go on a date with him. And then you will have a comparison between him and the guy that you didn't like. So when she did, we then sat down and just was like, well, what was it that the other guy liked? What comparisons can you see? And just by helping her to strip those out, she was able to say, actually, you know, the bad boy, I know I liked him because he was bad boy and all the rest of it, but he's just immature. Whereas the other one was too mature for her. This one was too immature and she'd be spending more time helping him to grow rather than focusing on what she needed. You wouldn't have that unless you dated or unless you could have that friendship or have guys as friends. Some guys will tell you that no girl is friend. Every girl is bait. You understand? Mm-hmm. It's what they're trying to get in your knickers at some point. I saw my children tell me anyway, I would like to feel that, yes, that might be the truth, but who controls my knickers? Simple things. I me control them. You can sniff all you like, mate. Unless I open the door, you ain't coming in. You understand? It's a good mantra to have, actually. Um, and like we mentioned, um, 
but basically men are trash and I think it's quite interesting that <laughs> no <laughs> no you said you said something like men are something yeah 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 and it's like it's such a common thing that people say nowadays and I think I haven't really had any experiences really but I still say it and I I I, I really do uh, believe it um but um Some. yeah but I think when I say it I'm like as a like with with how power is distributed and how like men just have more power in society that's when I say that yeah men are trash the fact that this still continues and right that's why like where whatever relationship I go into I want to be like crystal clear you treat me as a equal you're not any better than me um and but gay relationships have the same power struggle. Female on female relationships, they have the where one partner may be much more power orientated and controlling. So, you know, that's why even though I, I may, you know, men is dark, you know, what I mean, that's a that's a kind of old remnant of some stuff. Yes. And that sometimes with the media, when it portrays a lot of stuff that is the same old shit about men, but there are some who are not like that at mm. all and they get yum down, <laughs> they get yum up by certain people. So it, it is some, and, and, and because I've been around um, alternative relationships, yes, there are still power dynamics within that, even in friendships, you know, like me and you, if we became friends, there are still power dynamics. It's just how abusive uh, somebody wants to be um, or how controlling somebody wants to be about that. You know mm. what I mean? As much as I'd like to think I'm free, I am a free spirit. I'm a free spirit for me. If anybody tries to squash my free spirit, I'm like, mm, oof, I don't think so, really. Uh, <laughs> Maybe it's time to distance myself and give myself space to think. Mm. But not all men. I think, I think porn has played a real, no, it, porn and music videos have played a real thing on some of our young men. And just keep saying our young men, I'm talking about black boys, you understand what I mean? And mm. black girls. Because I remember when um, we, I used to have uh, MTV, whenever, whenever. And once, somebody said, turn the music off and just watch the video. And it was just complete sexualization. Um, and, um, dom you know, right now it's all sexualization, dominatrix, everything's out in the open, you know, you know, anal sex is, is, is given whether you want to or not. Do you understand what I mean? Everybody's got to try it and bondage and all kind of stuff, which takes away... <laughs> You know, puts a lot of pressure on my young girls. You understand? Um, and so what I'm trying to say is that um, it's scary. It was scary then, but only back then, but it was only scary if you were going out with somebody who was so experienced and had gone into so in, into so-called deviant um, and exploratory environment and then you buck up on them and then you were exposed to it you understand that was like 
not the norm. Whereas now the norm seems to be that guys, because they watch so much porn and because it's so readily available and girls are watching it too. And the videos that we're watching without the music, like my daughter's playing certain things and she ain't listening. I'm not listening to the lyric. I'm just listening to the beat. I goes, well, you're listening to the beat and I'm listening to the lyrics and the music can't play in it. So I have kind of, tried to create um, an environment which is that we are aware of those things and we don't have them, we don't play the stuff, we don't have the TV on all the time. Now they're older, they can, they can stream as much as they like, but we are in a space where we have conversations around stuff, you understand? Yeah. And when we see things on telly, it's, it, 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 oh, oh, that doesn't feel right, does it? Oh no, and then we all talk about it or it's not on um, because there's enough exposure and you need to take care of your own energy. Well, I do. So there are certain things I just will not, I'm just not, in, I'm not interested. And there are certain things I have to see even though I don't want to see because at the end of the day, some parents will come to me with certain things and I don't have to be an expert in everything. I just need to be able to support you to be able to have the conversations so that your relationship can heal or at least both of you are on the same page, your children and yourself are on the same page. I mean, I don't wanna know when my kids lose their virginity. I mean, that's, that's not, I'm not one of them mothers who need to know that kind of detail. But what I want to know is that you feel all right. You don't feel pressured. You feel valued you feel treasured um, and you feel that things are done at a pace that you feel comfortable with. And if you say no, that it's no. But, you know, I've had to teach my kids when you go out, don't even accept water from people, you know what I mean? You understand what I'm saying? I never thought I'd have to do things like that because yeah. there are people out there, even girls out there just for a joke will spike your drink just to see how, you understand what I'm saying? This is this mad up. Maddox times, Maddox. And kind of, I want to ask you, do you think with increasing kind of openness to talk about relationships and um, I, I would say now, it's definitely like me and my mum, we're quite open about that stuff. And it seems like you are with your kids. Do you think that's like a change that's happened? Um, were you like that with your mum? Um, I don't know. Yeah. No. My, my, listen, sorry, not condescendingly listen, right? Yeah. I, this is just my expression, yeah? <laughs> my mother, every conversation was, if you touch a boy, if a boy kisses you, you're going to get pregnant. Yeah. So there was no, there was no discussing feeling. My mother, my mother talked about her stuff to me and... I would try to act like an adult and give her advice <laughs> in inverted commas, and which she would completely ignore. But I couldn't go to her and say, um, I fancy this guy, but I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. Hell no. I mean, the mere fact that I was able, my mother said to me that I could have a boyfriend at 16, which was late because a lot of my friends were having you know, things behind the, you know, relationships behind the, behind the doors. 
And I, but I was very much like, okay, I met my, my, my boyfriend when I was 13. We all were at an adventure playground. So we knew each other. There was a whole group of guys there, a whole group. And only later on did I realize a lot of other guys fancied me apart from the one that I chose, which everyone was like, it's the ugliest one that she chose him. And there was so much good looking man. Yes. <laughs> um, but I couldn't talk to my mother about that. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't emotionally ready to, to, to get into a relationship with, with him. So I think three years later, um, he asked me out again. Uh, and by that time I was nearly 16. And my mother had said, when you're 16, she'll, she'll, you can date um, which is what I did. And then she said, if you're even thinking about sex, stop on the pill. If you're thinking about sex, get on the pill. So I went on the pill at 16, but I didn't have sex. I was thinking about it. I thought about it for a few years and I was on the pill, but I didn't have sex. Um, and my mother mm -mm, wasn't somebody you could sit down and talk to like that. Now, now that she's you know, a mature woman who's gone through her life and she doesn't have to worry or risk. Um, now I could talk to her, but I've already kept my own counsel. I'm much more freer. I can talk to her about anything I want because I'm a woman now, you understand? I, I've been running my own house. You know, I've been standing on my own two feet. I've made my mistakes and she's taken great play. Me did tell you, same. You, you should never did marry that one. You know, I never like him from the start. And I'd be like, you never told me. And she goes, no, I'm never tell you, but I never like him. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I had to learn my own lessons as I'm sure you will. And, and my children will. Mm. Um, I would like to, I'm more open because I think I would have liked that. Um, but not the kind of, directive like I'm telling you what you need to do no, not that you mm. know more more like well what are you thinking and how's that thinking affecting you and what where, what kind of decision do you think you might want to make um, and how does that individual make you feel do you feel valued do you know is 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 that person treating you better than I ever could um, because that is the standard that any guy coming to my children has to have. And I make it quite clear that, you know, you have to treat my kids better than me. And I've sacrificed a lot in order to give them. Um, and I still, that you know, now I'm able to wean off a little bit, but you've got to treat my children better than I would. And that's not just necessarily about being able to take them on a cruise. I've given them the space to be themselves and to discover who they are. And I would expect the man that you're going to be with, even the woman, if you choose to be with the woman, that whoever you're going to be with would allow you to be you, as you will learn to allow them to be them. Thanks for listening. The Black Then Black Now podcast would not be possible without the support of Do It Now Now who have created the Voltage Revolution to give young Black London creatives opportunities and tools to give them a foot in the door. Make sure you keep updated on Black Then Black Now by following our socials at WeVoltage on Twitter and Instagram, where we'll be posting information about the team that has put this all together and exclusive behind the scenes footage.